Coming soon, Randy Quaid, Mary Beth Hurt, Sandy Dennis, and director Bob Balaban bring you a fresh look at family life. The Lemley family is moving up in the world. Rise and shine! But something is eating at young Michael Lemley. You're not scared of your room, are you? Michael, the cellar's dark. Everything's dark at night. His parents think Michael's problem is in his head. <laughs> but Michael knows it's on his plate. What are we eating? Leftovers, honey. Leftovers from what? <laughs> We had leftovers every day since we moved here. I'd like to know what they were before they were leftovers. Before that, they were leftovers to be. Michael, there's nothing to be frightened of. Now, there's a new name for terror. Parents. <laughs> Bedtime. theater and the usher nods me in they know me here i descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about the door at the bottom opens and i walk in the sound of movie spoilers fill the air barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back the rest of the crew are here already this is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Uh, and welcome everyone to uh, another edition of the spoiler room. It's the family that slays together month. So glad you could join us tonight as we continue to look at weird quirky homicidal twisted families in horror and tonight uh, we got a very interesting one for you on deck it is parents from 1989 so thank you for venturing down the stairs pulling up a chair and cracking your favorite drink i got me some mudslide tonight uh to talk about movie spoilers and uh, the crew with me to talk about this very interesting randy quaid horror comedy uh <laughs> first off she's back with us once again from the horror retrospective it is cara hello cara how are you hello doing all right good to hear good to hear glad to have you in the room tonight and of course the man who just he, he like keeps coming back i think he's starting to you know he's a masochist or something but we always love having him in the room it is none other than mr ian simmons hello ian how are you I'm great. I'm going to put the kiss in masochist tonight. I'm doing great. I, I'm curious to, to hear what you guys think of this. This is the first time I'd watched this movie, as with so many other films we discuss on this show. And uh, yeah, I was not prepared for parents, so this will be good. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not setting that up to say, oh, I hated this movie. It's not going to be a rant. I think we're, Uh-oh. for me personally, uh, we're closing out family that slays together month much stronger than we started so uh I'm, yeah i'm all for it yeah well you haven't watched head of the family yet from full moon but anyway oh, <laughs> oh that's right we're not out of the woods yet we're are not we? out of the woods Damn yet it. we got one more uh, uh <laughs> i keep thinking the tongue singing that one <laughs> i can't wait can't wait uh cara uh if you wouldn't mind uh would you mind giving the synopsis if you could of parents from 1989 it's it's definitely a quirky not your usual i don't know if you would say it's set in the 50s mm-hmm. type film you've you've got the the fun not stuck up quaid brother and <laughs> and uh you you realize this is not your usual family definitely it it puts a whole spin on the we we kind of like that that dark spin on well not those not those good old days films but they they really take it to a whole different extreme and we realize this this film has a darker darker secret than usual. <laughs> 
Yeah, it does. And I I love the that it's set in the backdrop of the 50s. Um, and man, my wife and I, my wife actually sat down and watched this with me. Uh, this was, in all honesty, a first watch for me as well. Oh, wow. um, I, I picked it because I was looking for different family how, mm-hmm. you know, movies that didn't have the Sawyers in it, which is harder than you think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I picked this one because Randy Quaid, and I'd seen, it has a great video cover on the video shelves back in the day. Mm-hmm. It had a great cover of the mom. And I think there's a light, like, you know, meat on the table or a leg and the kids there and Randy Quaid's in the back at, you know, coming out of the, the refrigerator. Um, and it's the, yeah, it's the poster uh, on the, uh, um, uh, on IMDb. And it said, there's a new name for terror. And I just remember that, I remember that uh, uh, picture on the video case and I just never got around to renting it. Now I'm kicking myself for not renting it because <laughs> it's a quirk. It is. This is such an unusual film and not in a bad way. My wife was sitting there watching this with me. She goes, why am I sitting here watching this with you? She's like, <laughs> she's like, this normally yeah. isn't my movie. She's like, but it is so visually engrossing. She's like, I, yeah. I, I can't look away. And we want to buy that house just like it is the Art Deco 50 house, 50s house. Loved that house. <laughs> Indeed. Ian, what about you with, with, with this? Your initial your initial reaction while watching this? Um it's such a it's such a weird movie. First of all, I didn't realize it was um directed by uh, Bob Balaban, mm-hmm. who is a fantastic character actor he's been a bunch of things the first time i seen him was i think in some christopher guest movies but he's been a, everything from gosford park to close encounters of the third kind it's one of those you see him you know him guys and it turns out he's also from chicago mm-hmm. and his birthday was uh last week so happy birthday hey. mr bellaban um it you know it kind of has that tim burton style you know kind of an idea that that obsession with the 1950s with kind of pop culture and the things that are going on behind the the perfect facade of the uh you know the white bread american family um i kind of figured that it was all going to be real Mm -hmm. but there was a part of me that was really hoping that balaban would stick the landing of making us believe that perhaps this was all in the little boy's mind um, because it does I think, lead you that it does lead you that way. I think mm-hmm. even in, it was either the IMDb synopsis or some other synopsis I'd read online with the whole idea of like a, a little boy suspects his parents mm-hmm. might be cannibals instead of a little boy discovers that his parents are cannibals, which leaves that door open. Like, right. And, and especially up until the third act, pretty much they walk that line where he could be, he could be imagining things. Even the scene that you think is the most obvious where he walks on and his parents having sex um, or doing something, it's its sort of an allegory for them having sex. They've mm-hmm. got like kind of like red streaked lips, mm-hmm. but that could have very well just been, you know, her lipstick, you know, that bright red, you know, lipstick kind of smear on their face. But we come to find out, of course, that it was, you know, human blood. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this movie. I think visually it's, it's fantastic. I... Mm-hmm. It's one of those things I, I wish like the music box or some of the, one of these other kind of like art house or revival mm-hmm. theaters would show it somewhere because I would pay to see this on the big screen. It's just so lush. And it reminds me of some of the other movies we've talked about mm-hmm. earlier this month. There's some thematic stuff going on. There are people under the stairs. <laughs> um, there is uh, with the Nicolas Cage movie that we watched, um, like A Mom and Dad yeah. from a couple of weeks ago. They have that wacky kind of, you know, opening credit sequence. Here it's an end credit sequence mm. that I think does right what mom and dad didn't quite do right, which mm-hmm. is a committed to, you know, a particular genre. And also in closing, because I know this is a, hey, what do you think? And 45 minutes later, I get to the point. Yeah. Um, speaking of Nicolas Cage, Randy Quaid, this, if they were to remake Parents, this would be a Nicolas Cage role. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he would he would definitely fit that role very well. He that oh I want to see that I want to see that remake now. There what, you go. What about you, Cara? And your your initial thoughts with the uh, parents? 
I I love this. This is my second time watching it. The mm -hmm. first time I watched it eight years ago, I remember walking through the video store and seeing the cover and it, it always struck me as unusual. Like, why is this in the horror film section? It looks so normal. And I always passed <laughs> it up. I didn't quite get it. And I'm, I'm glad I eventually did watch it. And I, I like the subtlety of they don't really throw it in your face that they're cannibals, but I like the, they always have this really red juicy meat on the table. Like why is their, their food so gory? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Like the giant piles of ribs or whatever that are on the, yeah. the grill that they're serving up. It's like, it's cartoonish. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. it, it's usually ribs. They're having ribs. And I loved how they always played it off too. The parents were like, Oh, those were leftovers in the fridge from the previous owner, and those were leftovers. And then the kid, the one time, he's like, yeah. "How much? How many leftovers are in there?" He's like, "We we have an awful lot of leftovers, Bob and Dad." Yeah. And you know, and and yeah, I liked it. I, you know, it's it is. I like quirky movies like this, and mm -hmm. I. That play with that. First off, the whole uh, turning the dark side to suburbia is always fun. Like you said, Ian, I think Tim Burton yeah. does it well. Go ahead, Car. What were you guys? No, I was I was half thinking the there was a more recent film, like not a cannibal film, but I don't know if you've ever seen or heard of Fido, where it kind of plays yes, oh, like yeah. That. oh yeah, yeah. I thought that was really good too. Very well done, and it's it's mm -hmm. also kind of quirky. Oh, the, I love yeah. I, I haven't seen that in probably 15 years, but yeah, Peter Connolly. Oh, mm -hmm. so good. Th this would definitely pair well with Fido in that same type of that yeah. 50s style, but you've got the darker side to it. That one's a little bit more satirical than th this one, you know, moves a little bit more subtly. It's uh, but yeah, those are both in the same vein. I love Fido too. I'm I'm a huge fan of that film when I, I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be when I watched that one. I'm like, oh, I love yeah. this. You know, there's something. Billy, Billy Connolly. Billy sorry, Connolly, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Billy Connolly. Uh, excellent comedic actor. I've got his first uh, U.S. Com comedy performance on VHS that recorded Whoopi Goldberg presents Billy Connolly uh, when she, she brought him over. I got that from uh, HBO back in the day. Nice. Um, yeah, I still got that on VHS. Uh, oh, we got Infobon in here, and uh, he goes, would this be regarded as Vestron's most offbeat offerings? Probably a redundant question. Um, Vestron Video did uh, put out some odd films. This is probably one of their more unusual films. Just more unusual films for late 80s in general, especially with the cast they have. You know, they have a few names in here. Um, you know, for me, and I want to get your guys' opinion, uh, they introduce a, a, a actor the young actor Brian Medorsky, who plays the son. I loved this kid's kid. My wife was like, How did they get him not to smile like nearly through the entire film? Um, <laughs> but I thought, especially for this, like the fact that he's you know kind of a co star, it, it carries on his shoulders a bit. I thought he mm -hmm. did, I thought he did well. What'd you think, Kara? He he carries it well. I like how he. He looks very gaunt, very mortified. I, I love how they play it up where he looks like he's terrified of Randy Quaid. It kind of looks like Randy Quaid is stalking him midway through the film. And I, I know especially some of us who have like those overbearing fathers, it's like some of us actually are afraid of our dad, even if even though we know he's not going to hurt us. But in this situation, they really do look he does look menacing. Well, it is Randy Quaid. He looks menacing in general, but no, she's kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. National Lampoon, he's he's cooking, well, yeah. but I don't think he would hurt anybody. Shitter is full. But Ian, what about you and uh, our young Michael? I, you know, he does a really good job. But one of the things that kind of added to the atmosphere of this movie is I paused it and I went, I looked him up because like, I don't know this actor. This was the only film he did. Wow. And so I don't know if he decided acting wasn't for him. I don't know if he died. I don't know if Randy Quaid like <laughs> freaked him out or freaked something. Freaked him out. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it is one of those 
things where you're watching it and it's he doesn't have that child star that child actor thing he just seems very naturalistic um but i mean i could see the some of the stuff being traumatic to, yeah. <laughs> to shoot or even yeah. just to watch what it reminded me of a bit of not not in a comedic way but kind of almost like a horror or, or thriller equivalent horror film type equivalent of almost napoleon dynamite to where you know it, it, he's not like that like comedic but in that same vein to where everything he reacts to pretty much similarly to everything you know except for maybe his nightmares but even those too when he wakes up at that he's just like you know he he's not like sweaty sheets or anything he just he just wakes up well it's you know you you do have to wonder because they they move into this house because you know dad got a new job or whatever mm. it, it, i think it's called toxico toxico, toxico. Yeah. I love that. um but <laughs> this it's not like he moved they moved into this place and he suddenly discovered that his parents are weird and possibly cannibals i mean i don't he's like probably <laughs> 10 years old or something so yeah that he's kind of got this disaffected kind of like dissociative quality to him probably because he's grown up in this family he's been he's been traumatized and never quite taken to the idea of that yeah it's okay it's normal to eat people <laughs> <laughs> well you know he doesn't ever, this is where he quite confirms but you feel that even going into this film at the start he's already suspected his family yeah. you know like you said it, this has been going on for a while this is like new at the new house they've they've been eating people for a while and we all know that you can go a little crazy if you eat people a little bit well that's what they say anyway i haven't eaten a person okay i ate a toe okay i ate a toe no just sorry that's a, sorry that's a, a cannibal the musical reference sorry anyway oh. ain't got much meat on it no <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah you're right uh, you know and it's sad that he didn't do anything else because I really like this kid in here because he he kind of helps you. It kind of his non-reaction helps ground a few things of this mm -hmm. wacky world he lives in um, to where, you know, because you got goofy Randy Quaid in here and you've got the overzealous 50s mom. So you've got him who's kind of indifferent to all of this suburbia 50s world. And I think that helps with the audience ground you a bit. So it doesn't quite get as goofy as it could, even with a film, you know, you've got the company named Toxico, right? And normally like a satire, so you'd be like, oh, you know, but then you realize, no, that's that company. They're making a defoliate that wipes out an entire forest. And they like this idea. <laughs> Well, I mean, because the way he's talking about that, uh, you know, the dad is talking to yeah. his boss about it, is it will basically, you know, kill, uh, what does it say, drop uh, drop it on foreign countries to deforest them. It's uh, called catalyzed resin. Yes. In 48 hours, this jungle will be mulch. And you think about this is the 1950s, you're thinking Korea, you're thinking eventually, mm -hmm. you know, Vietnam. Um, all these kind of weapons applications. They've got like miniature jungles that they're you know, models of it. Uh, yeah, it's some some dark stuff in there. It, it's dark, and while it's satirical, it's really dark satir satire. I mean, it's like borderline reality of sorts. And, you know, the dad, you can see why the kid's scared of him. Uh, you know, Kara, what'd you think of this? Do you think even with some of the goofy stuff, it's still, it, it like doesn't quite get like peewee herman type goofy or whatnot you know what i'm saying that that big top peewee type mm -hmm. ridiculousness i know i mean it 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 um it's not over the top i kind of viewed it as a black comedy but it's it it plays it straight it doesn't go overboard it, it doesn't take itself too seriously it, it kind of balances itself out quite quite nicely it mm -hmm. just walks that line which a lot of things seem to struggle with like they I, th I think they played it off fairly well. Yeah, they do. And, and a lot of it does hinge on Michael. I mean, I, I honestly think, especially when they go over to the boss's house, because dad, he's got to have the, the important 50s dinner with the boss. 
you know, we've seen that before. Um, I've never <laughs> had dinner with, well, I've, my boss is a, a friend of mine, so I've had dinner with him, but usually like in a situation like that, no, I've never gone over to my boss's house to have steak for dinner. Oh, um, I loved that thing with the checks mix where the woman's <laughs> like, oh, this stuff is so wonderful. I'm like, what? <laughs> hey, hey, checks mix is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that was a great reaction of, wait, where'd you get this recipe? Would you believe from the side of a checks box? Oh, my God. <laughs> and they go on that conversation. The two guys are sitting there going. And then the, the wife, the, who's the mom, Lily, she just goes, oh, pair of threes. Because they're playing, they're playing, uh, was it uh, gin? Um, I think that's what they were playing. Or bridge. I don't know. I, I'm not too good. I don't know my cards. I don't know. Remember my cards too much. But in any case, but even that, <laughs> that was an interesting, rather awkward conversation because the husbands are kind of talking business and the, the wives aren't. And the wives are drinking the Long Island iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> well it, it it adds there's a layer to it because um you know on his uh what was it the little boy's name michael oh, i can't michael yeah mm -hmm. on his first day of school you know he's the new student he meets uh sheila who is the the daughter of the you know the boss's daughter right and you know she got held he asked the why do you look so much older than the other kids and she said i got held back a year for doing things yeah. and she's got this uncomfortable relationship with her parents and she's always talking about this you know really weird stuff like you know i'm from the moon and um she definitely is always trying to escape her reality or projecting this kind of fantasy world onto michael and you just wonder is is she covering up like parental abuse mm -hmm. which you know mm -hmm. the whole idea of like yeah great the parents are getting together the kids can hang out at the house but you know it's not exactly a safe and warm environment and yet you've got this friendly card game and all this banter and stuff and, and alcohol flowing there's some yeah there's some sinister stuff going on there and the movie doesn't really become about that but it's just there kind of mm -hmm. like dangling as a thread to think about among the other all the other messed up stuff that happens <laughs> yeah it's Oh, what'd you think of that relationship between Michael and, and Millie, uh, Cara? That it, it was an odd one. <laughs> it it really is weird. And she, yeah, I mean, it, it does oh, kind I'm of sorry. feel it, implied. Sorry, it wasn't Millie. It was Sheila. My apologies. Sorry, go Sheila. ahead. Yeah. Uh, Millie made sense to me. It's Millie. still one of those waspy names. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a Millie and a Lily in this movie. Yeah. yeah, so, a, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Kara, go ahead. I, I apologize. I made the mistake. It was Sheila. No, I mean, it, it still made sense to me. Like the, I mean, I know parents, it, it was a different time. They would actually teach kids to, to go and mix drinks for the parents. And the little girl gave this drink recipe on her first day of school. And <laughs> then there was that whole thing of, I, I know Michael was, was too young to really think about it a certain way, but he's looking up at her at the tree and He's looking mm -hmm. up at her dress and not necessarily on purpose. And then there's the scene where she has him take off his shirt and crawl into the freezer with him. And it's like, why are you guys doing all this weird stuff? Well, and, and she's kind of initiating this, which I think leads to the unspoken thing of there's something quirky and possibly wrong in her family. Yeah, she's her dynamic. She, her, her dynamic with her parents, because like you said, she's, Everything she does involving Michael feels deliberate, not in Advanced a somewhere. Yeah, right. Not in a malicious way, but just like you said, she's up in the tree on purpose and not necessarily standing in the tree like you would ex maybe expect a, 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 you know, she like you said, she you could easily just walk under and, and Michael ends up looking up and he doesn't have those thoughts, but it feels like mm -hmm. almost she sat that way on purpose. And just like later, yeah. she ends up getting the wine from the cellar and they end up having some wine and she hides in the freezer with the meat, <laughs> not knowing what it is. And she asks Michael to take his shirt off. And it's just this weird dynamic between these two, too, which yeah. makes you wonder what's going on at her family. Cause her mom acts a little weird too, played wonderfully yeah. by Deborah Rush. Um, well, she, she even makes this weird comment about, um, 
them running away and being husband and wife and she'll cook dinner, but she's <laughs> she's throwing raw eggs in a blender and throwing celery <laughs> down a disposal. And I'm like, you're a great cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but it also shows you that Michael's not the only kid, unfortunately, that is ne- might not necessarily dysfunctional. Right. There, there's a great, and this, this is, I think, the thing that really hooked me into this movie. Mm-hmm. There's a really great scene, and I, I love the music in this too. But there's a bit where Michael, kind of in slow motion, takes off his shirt and he gets a running start and jumps in slow motion onto his bed, mm-hmm. and he immediately starts to sink into the sheets, and you realize that like beneath the sheets is blood and the blood starts coming up mm. and he gets completely subsumed by it. It begins swirling around as this slow motion, surreal, bombastic music thing that eventually transitions into like a bowl of tomato soup. Yeah. I'm like this is, it's not scary. It's off-putting mm-hmm. and it's not funny. Like a lot of this movie is not funny. No, it's mm-hmm. it's disturbing because it's presented as if it's supposed to be funny, but it's it's kind of like uh, like Rodney Dangerfield's character in Natural Born Killers. Oh. Yeah, you know <laughs> the the sexually abusive dad who's in the family sitcom, but you're watching it like, no, this is this is the darkest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, I thought but you were going to say Ladybugs. <laughs> <laughs> that is the darkest shit I've ever seen. Sorry, thank you for thank you for setting me straight there. <laughs> Fucking ladybugs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> ladybugs. Wow. What is it? Making your stepson wear a dress. Yeah. It's <laughs> deep cut. Well, you know, and again, that dynamic between the uh, you know, dad, Nick, and and his his wife, Lily. Um, because we when we finally discover that yes, they are cannibals. And while they have been uh, borrowing from the body donations to science uh the fresh mm-hmm. the fresh ones they aren't above killing people um, you know yeah. he he drops the line well your mom gained a taste for it and you know you look at the mom and she's smiling in that but i wonder how much of it is her going along with it if she actually does enjoy it i mean well later on i guess uh, we do see the scene where they're making love on entrails so i guess there is where she does like it but you know how much of that was uh the the dad influence on her you know pushing forcing the subject maybe like he was trying to do with his son but his son not having any part of eating people uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to say i mean but she there's a lot going on <laughs> there is a lot character. going on well when we when she goes to talk to the school guidance counselor um yeah. ms do uh she asks um lily like tell me about your you know husband's relationship with your son what do they like to do together and she's like oh they like to do they do things all the time like like what oh you know just they just do so many things and he realized that she's trying to cover up for the fact that like this perfect smiling family they don't they don't know each other they don't really care beyond, interact you know, yeah right um and it's just yeah again like the best movies, you could take the the otherness, uh, mm-hmm. the supernatural or horror element out of it, and still just be with characters that you'd watch just regularly going about their lives. And I think that's the case here. Yeah, it like is. they don't they don't have to be cannibals. They just have this no. really great <laughs> dysfunctional relationship. It's mm-hmm. fascinating to watch how they how they try and cover it up to to the outside mm-hmm. you know world. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, even in their, their household, they try to cover it up. You know, they try to get the son to eat and and be, you know, the mom's happy and she's the happy homemaker and the dad, you know, is Randy Quaid. Oh. It, it makes you question, like, is she actually happy or is that part of the, the facade? Like, because mm-hmm. are, are they actually happy? Do any of them actually like each other or are they all pretending with themselves do they even know each other or anything about each other it's it's kind of creepy in itself if you put more thought into it well it also gets back to 
um, I referenced the people under the stairs. Mm -hmm. There's a line later on when everything kind of goes to hell where Nick says to Lily, he says, uh, we'll make another one, Lily. We'll bring him up right. Mm -hmm. So they realize that they've got in their minds kind of a defective kid who still hasn't gotten with the program and now he's causing trouble for all of them. If they just, you know, throw them away like meat scraps, they can, you know, raise another calf and this one will <laughs> maybe come out the way that they want them to. Well, and, you know, and, and he, the dad, Nick has just so much hostility towards his son. And, and at one point he just comes right out. I'm like, you know, I'm a dad and I'm just like, holy balls. When he comes out and just tells his son, he doesn't like him. He doesn't like him oh. at all. He's like, and I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and yeah, I think it I hurts. Think it not only it hurts, but I think that's where, you know, as much as it is about, a family who eats people cannibals and with the kid who's vegan because they they make a shit about how he doesn't eat any of the meat ever he only eats the vegetables but um you know the the way they have this whole dynamic of oh, i just lost my thought now oh, i blew away it it went away damn it it was right there oh um with this uh dynamic that they have it really makes you wonder and he even he even drops the line until you get to the end with the grandparents, the very end. He even drops the line on how he doesn't even look like him or sound like him or act like him. I almost thought it was a bit implied of uh, maybe that wasn't his actual kid. Like he was either adopted or kidnapped or something or. Yeah. Well, he, he does resemble the woman so i mean right i don't know maybe she stepped out on him well see see that's that's what i and again it's it's very brief and it's underlined but you just i it would just have me thinking of maybe because it is the 50s too they don't talk about it but maybe you know uh nick has a suspicion maybe because of the way the kid acts that it might not be his but he won't come out and say it because he's not, a, you know, at all sure. But, you know, you do hear stories of, of the, you know, when the kid's not the 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 dad of the families, there is usually hostility. So I'm just wondering if maybe it's implied a little bit that maybe she did step out or it, it wasn't his kid or he maybe married into the family and she had the kid. But when the kid was a baby, you know. Mm. I, I just was wondering. That's a that's a possibility. I mean, yeah, there like with this, there's so much to that you mm -hmm. can interpret that it kind of makes it fun. It's a fun movie to watch, even though it's not, you know, it's not light and breezy, but it's so it's demented. inventive. <laughs> yeah, it is demented. It's demented and inventive, which I, yeah. I really appreciate. There there's it's a dementive. Dementive. <laughs> I like that. Dementive. <laughs> Copyright <laughs> horror retrospective and the spoiler room. Dementive is a new term. I like that. Um, T-shirts available next week. There you go. <laughs> With Randy Quaid's face on it. With Randy's Quaid, he won't. He won't mind. He probably won't notice at all. Um, I I did want to to mention. Um, I yeah. know Ian brought it up briefly, but I I loved the the dream sequences. Like they were very artistic, kind of like very tastefully done. I don't know if if either of you got the the impression like there was one with a an eye close up and mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me of the Paradine case. I don't know if that was a deliberate Alfred Hitchcock reference. Mm. It it might have been. There seemed to be other influences in mm -hmm. these dream sequences. I mean, they had kind of well, Ian does his Italian uh, giallo uh, uh, giallo uh, show, but it. Some of the dream sequences had a bit of an Italian influence feel to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, as as um, I don't want to say freakish, but um, very unusual. But I, I mean, some of them were were, at least in my opinion, very beautifully done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a scene where he's Michael's running in slow motion and in black and white, and you kind of cross cut that with his parents screaming. You've got that surreal uh, bit where he's hiding in the pantry watching his mom make meatloaf. And all yeah, of a sudden, these snake sausages kind of come to life. And 
they don't he's not really freaked out by it. he's just sort of being consumed by these things and then she opens up the pantry and you know kind of snaps out of it but yeah you're right yeah. there is the, the fantasy stuff in this movie i think is something else that that sets it apart um yeah again i want to see this on the big screen so bad <laughs> and, and they play with the colors in the dream sequences to let you know soon enough that you're in the dream sequence so if it seems like a regular moment it kind of goes black and white and then they play with the color a bit like there's one where it did go black and white when he was remembering what he walked in on his parents on and then when he was running it went to like all red color where he was running and it was almost like a drawing back mm -hmm. to his bed and then yeah it just the dream sequences like my wife said it's not quite her film but visually she couldn't yeah. you know I mean, even the, even some of the stuff that, you know, even the, the basic stuff, like the kid, uh, you know, uh, Sheila says, what does your dad actually do? Which is kind of a question we've heard in other 50s shows or whatnot. You know, the, it's never really addressed the family that's not always quite sure what dad does for job. He just goes to work. So, uh, you know, Michael sneaks into his dad's company and he happens to be in the morgue. <laughs> When his dad shows up and just the way this whole sequence was shot was a rather tension filled and, and interesting though his you don't see what what's most in what i find most interesting is it's about cam uh, cannibals and you're about cutting into people we don't actually see them cut into people <laughs> like heavily like they start to but nothing like you actually see the insides of someone or anything it it always is a camera angle looking up at quaid or whoever's cutting into the body um yeah, yeah and and even in that uh you know they go michael sneaks into the division of human testing yes um which is that kind of morgue area and he sees his father talking to like a technician who's it's like he's at a butcher shop you know like i want <laughs> this and this and leave out this part this time and you know make sure it's fresh or whatever um but yeah yeah, yeah it, but it doesn't it doesn't get graphic because just the absurdity and the eeriness of what we're seeing mm -hmm. is is enough the theme carries the picture instead of the the gross out stuff well i, I think it's I, I i get the impression they were kind of going for for tasteful mm-hmm mm-hmm no pun intended. No, 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 pun, no. I, I didn't even catch that as I said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's the type of film I like because it plays with your imagination. It gives you enough so that you, you've got the coherent story so you know what it's Im implying. But at the same time, it's giving you enough for your brain and it's adding some layers to it just for you thinking of. And like Ian said at the beginning of the show, it it plays a little bit like well, is this the kid's imagination or not? Because, you know, mm -hmm. the kid's quirky. He could just be, yeah. you know, going through a tough phase. <laughs> Food for thought. Oh, 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 nice. Yeah. Well, that one was on purpose. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, and then towards the end, uh, for just a minute, I think they wanted us to, to wonder if the parents were innocent and Michael was the one who was committing all these crimes. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, uh, Ms. Dew comes over to the house and she goes down to the basement and they find a body. And there's this great sequence where she screams and it like kind of pans out of the, or maybe I can't remember if it, it was her screaming or was it the body? No, it was her. The body touched was, her and she's screaming for a right. very long time and they go through the vent. Yes. <laughs> they go up and out of the house. And then she ends up eventually hiding in the the pantry mm -hmm. and there's like stabbing through the slats and when she gets out there's uh i think it's like the golf club comes swinging yeah. out and it's at a yeah. low angle and so you're like oh wait a second is this is this like a, a young michael myers situation has the kid been the psychopath the entire time but you know when he comes to going back to like the kind of texas chainsaw massacre homage he's you know tied up at a dinner table, but the invention or the dimension has, or the, the dementiveness comes into play. It's on this tremendous rotating set where he's oh, having this God, conversation yes. with, with his parents. And I'm just like, 
what am I even watching? How how do they film this scene without you know throwing up all over themselves? <laughs> it was it's an amazing scene because you realize it's all practical where they've got a camera mounted on basically like a lazy Susan type set, and he's talking to the kid the whole time, and it's spinning. You're like wow, but that's just one of the many visual things in this film that keeps you just watching. If nothing else, you're just like the from the art deco to everything it's hard to believe this was made in 89 in all honesty they really capture the period and they really do some visually wild things in here uh we got a few comments uh from robert baum he said uh he said what about charlie sheen in quaid's role (laughs) i'm not sure i think charlie Sheen could quite get that level of crazy uh i mean he can be crazy but I think I think you need the Nick Cage level. Yeah, because yeah. Nick Cage can because honestly he wouldn't have to calibrate or do anything except <laughs> just mimic what Randy Quaid is doing. Because I swear to God, this incarnation of Randy Quaid is what Nick Cage has been doing for the last you know ten years, with a couple of exceptions, you know, like Pig. <laughs> and Infobomb also says, I don't know what's more unsettling for Vestron, this or Ken Russell's The Lair of the White Worm. Um, that's, that's a hard, yeah. I've never seen Lair of the White Worm. I, that's, that's on my list. I should have fixed that. Lair of the White Worm is, is a little bit, is out there as well. Um, I think they're different sort of disturbing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely in, in that same ballpark. Actually, Lair of the White, Lair of the White Worm may or may not come up as a, horror of 1988 film in the future you'll have to stay tuned to find out um infobob also says speaking of tim burton he is once considered to direct after hours which later became a scorsese effort that'd be interesting to see him take that film i take that i take it that wasn't an amusement park movie no that was was real cinema it was it was real cinema yes and then Mary Beth Hurt is married to Paul Schrader, so she's probably up on Demented Fair. Probably. Wow. Wow. Whoo. Dropping the bombs, info bomb. Um <laughs> I never I never imagined Paul Schrader being married. That's that's a reality show I'd definitely tune into. That that would be. That would be. Wow. Uh, what I actually the, the idea that actually flew away from my head before is the fact that um I think the dysfunction in this family and not necessarily playing. I mean, we do get that they're officially cannibals later on, but even the playing at, if they're not, they're just this weird dysfunctional family, uh, dysfunctional family. I think there's a lot of horror just in that, just in, in their dysfunction that they have, not only them, but in this world they live in, because they're not the only family that's quirky. <laughs> and I think that's where, where some of the horror in this film is effective, is the fact that this is an odd world and this isn't fitting the happy fifties look that we are getting visually. So the aesthetic you're getting that fifties happy vibe, but everything going on in this film is, is, is dark. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's why it's effective. Um, you know, and the, the, uh, like I said, there isn't a huge amount of gore in here, but there's a lot of meat show. <laughs> we, and I think that works even more to its advantage. <laughs> it's not the kind of movie, I mean, this didn't turn me vegetarian, but, you know, it's close. No, no, yeah. it, me, me either. It made me hungry. But it's, <laughs> I, every time I looked at those those giant piles of ribs, I... Uh, I I was like, well, I am hungry, but I also know where those came from, and I don't know if I want to eat ribs again. <laughs> well, that's where that's where that's what was funny is that that dream sequence he said where he was drowning in the red blood, and then it cuts to tomato sauce. Uh, when they pan away, the kids actually got his hand in the sauce, and the mom uh, doesn't say anything, but you find there's ribs in the sauce, uh, and that he's dipping them wrong. Um, mm. And and also the fact that there's a cookbook. It's actually in the thumbnail as well. My parents had that cookbook. Oh yeah, well yeah. I think that was. I think it. I think it came with every house in like the 70s and the 80s. It came with every house, handed down from the 
from the parents to the baby boomers, uh, <laughs> that 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 checkerboard uh, recipe book definitely uh, was in a lot of households. And uh, horror uh, retrospectives have a little technical difficulties, but she put maybe it's a play on how all families have a darkness. Um, I could see that. I can see that being in as another theme in here. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and uh, just having you know, having the contrast with, with the other family, with the daughter who he befriends, who, who's weird as well. It, just quirky, weird, you know, she's, she's unusual. Uh, what, you know, what surprised me in this, as far as us, them having weird, you, you know, having Michael be an outsider of sorts or, or kind of odd talking about, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, decomposition or whatever it was he's talking about oh or, or firebombing or something whatever it was he brought up in class it um, was uh it was basically um boiling a cat boiling a cat that's what it was in yeah. order to make himself invisible yeah that's that's right you boil <laughs> if you eat the bones of a black cat that you boil you could turn invisible um uh, that's what he drops and then the other new student She's the one that talks about a martini made with an onion. It's called a Gibson. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Which I didn't know. That's so I, I, I'm, I'm I learning stuff. You learned yeah. something. Right. <laughs> but what I what I thought was interesting in this film that you almost would expect in almost every other film that has this, you have the quirky kids. Um, I don't remember a scene of them being bullied or even when they bring it up in class, you didn't have the kids getting poked fun at or whatever they, they, they presented this. And I think that's, what's even weirder is they present these really odd and kind of disturbing things in class. And none of the other kids seem to be that affected by what they said. <clears throat> that's, you know, that's true. I think there's, um, but I think we kind of, almost to your point, Mark, we kind of expect to see that in right. ways like this, it, but this movie isn't really about that. It focuses more on these kids with their own kind of inner world versus the world of their parents. Um, yeah, it would have made sense to have some kind of reaction from the other kids, whether it's bullying, whether it's making fun of them, like saying, you're weird or something. But um, yeah, but just it zips right along. It, it, it shifts or it keeps that focus mm -hmm. on the kids and what they're experiencing and not so much on the other kids. Yeah. Right. But I think it would have it would have it would have tied in nicely to kind of cast them more as outsiders, like if they're mm -hmm. getting picked on and the only ones they have is each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, they do mention that they're the only friends, you know, she drops that he's, you know, her only friend. Oh, she tells her mom, you're not he's not my only friend. And then he goes out, you're my only friend, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but at the same time, we don't get that after class scene we don't get that after class scene where the kids are bullied or whatever because they said right. something weird but what what I, kind of triggered me when i was watching it was well not trigger but thinking about it was the other kids not having such a you know exasperated or, or shocked expression for what the kids are bringing up makes you wonder is everybody in suburbia actually got some dark family stuff going on because none of them are seem to be affected by the weird guys they don't hang out with them but at the same time they're just like uh you know everyone in the class is just like eh. yeah i mean it's possible or they could just say well that's so weird we just <laughs> ignore them you know <laughs> <laughs> i love it or a retrospective she says it's kind of a reverse pleasantville more like a demented Dementedville. dementedville Ooh, I, like that. I like that's the sequel to pleasantville is dementedville uh that's <laughs> that would be what that show would be now if it was about <laughs> the same thing only be streaming instead of a, a tv show but anyway <laughs> so yeah parents is a film that yeah on the surface or whatnot you might think oh it's about cannibal parents but there's there's a lot going on in this film, not just visually, but just thematically and with the characters. It's like an onion, uh, for lack of a better term. But I mean, there's a lot of layers to this film, I think. Yeah. And, you know, what I thought was kind of interesting was I don't know if this was a conscious thing or what, but, you know, the climax was a bit of Hellraiser in there. Yeah. Where, you know, the parents are kind of pursuing their son you know in the house because he's discovered all their secrets and that's when we get the line about well maybe we'll make another one yeah um 
mom ends up getting accidentally stabbed and the dad like he's kind of upset about it but kind of not and she dies and that's when he goes after the you know michael and gets a, a well they a die giant, together well he well he gets uh no because he gets the giant um shelf though the wine shelf oh right falls right on yeah him, sorry right? yeah you're right yeah yes um, um so they, they they die you know within like a couple minutes right, minutes right. of each other but it reminded me of the end of hellraiser with frank and julia mm -hmm. where uh you know she ends up getting stabbed and he says nothing personal babe <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's just and that that scene of the shelf falling over mm -hmm. i mean i doubt that was randy quaid it was probably a stunt person but what what a stunt i mean that yeah. looked like it could have actually killed somebody yeah oh, go ahead Tara. i i was half thinking that he stabbed the mom on purpose uh, mm -hmm. for her interfering and defending the little boy and yep yeah i mean i i thought that was intentional yeah she got and, her mama yeah. she got her mama bear on yeah i mm -hmm. it was been a few days since i watched the movie mm -hmm. so i probably forgot that that no. detail so thanks for, for reminding me yeah she cut her mama bear on which again it it's hinted at and that's what i like about this film as well is because it's hinted at throughout this film that no matter how aggressive or kind of overbearing the father is or or pushy is with like hey let's eat people and and the way their the way their lifestyle should be she still loves her son very much and he's actually more important than the husband, which may be why the husband is also why why Nick is also aggressive towards the kid because he realizes the mom actually I think loves the son a little more than the dad in many ways, and that comes out in this uh, climactic sequence because yeah the therapist gets killed and they make dinner out of her uh, on the grill, um, but then the kid won't eat eat the meat. And that's where you get the conflict with dad and him and the dad goes to attack the kid and that's when mama gets her mama bear on and she stabs dad in the back like down his back that's right yeah because he yeah. was he was attacking the kid um and that's where the dad turns around and goes you know what'd you do and she's got the knife and then he turns the knife on her and, and stabs her in the heart um mm -hmm. but that little exchange there has been building up because the mom does love the kid more than the husband and that shows little glimpses throughout because she's always protecting the kid yeah from the dad well, uh, a mom in my opinion should love her child more than mm -hmm. her husband i mean if, if you're always going to choose the husband over your child there's something wrong with you <laughs> i could uh I can see that. Yeah. I mean, from, from a maternal standpoint, yeah. I mean, like you shouldn't choose a spouse or a significant other over your child, like your child. I mean, you carried that child, you, mm -hmm. you nurtured that you should look after it and, and care for it. Well, if it's in danger, not just from a dad, but from anyone, um, you well, would, uh, yeah, you, I, get mean, but I mean, you should, yeah, look after it, right. take care of it. Mm -hmm. I hope to never be in that situation to find out. <laughs> but, um, well, just I, just I don't do eat like people. The, I I do like the the humor in the situation and the parents. If if you think about it, like she stabs him in the back, so he's gonna stab her in the heart. Very elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is it is by the numbers there. Um, but I I like that she came to the kid's defense, mm -hmm. and uh you know and they yeah the the wine scene seller thing it's like wow they're actually no they're actually pulling that whole wine rack on on top yeah. of dad um he, he took himself out yeah and, and what i like too at first is i thought they were going to ignore it because again this first time i watched it i thought they were going to ignore it because during the fight he knocks out and i go is that the gas pipe you know but they didn't really cut back to it right away like oh no and Never mind that the house uh, it started on fire upstairs. Um, right. So there's a fire upstairs. Mm -hmm. You've got dad knocked the gas pipe while trying to get after the kid. And then I'm just like, well, are they going to play? Is that a gas pipe? Maybe it wasn't actually a gas pipe. Like, oh, no, it's a gas pipe. And they blow up. And, and then we find mm -hmm. the kid later, the bookend, with grandpa and grandma. Yeah. And 
you know, I guess they leave the question out there. So I want to pose our final question tonight to my my crew here. Carl, we'll start with you. Are grandma and grandpa cannibals? I I think it's implied. So I'm assuming that the kid went to stay with the paternal grandparents since right. dad turned mom onto cannibalism. Well, and they mention how much he looks like his dad, you know, mm. and they've got a picture of the dad mom next to his bed. So, yeah, you're right. I think those are the paternal grandparents. And they, they give him a sandwich at the end of the night full of yeah. meat. Which is a weird <laughs> bedtime snack. That is a weird bedtime snack. I, With my kids, I don't think I ever said, hey, you know what? Let me just slice off a piece of roast here for you to take to bed with you with <laughs> yeah, two pieces of bread. This weird gross slimy shiny greasy meat <laughs> with a cup of warm milk too <laughs> um, <sighs> what about you ian you think grandpa grandpa are cannibals probably i mean that's uh, yeah there there is a better way to do this ending i mean yeah. maybe i'm just looking at it maybe it was better in 1989 i don't know mm -hmm. um but yeah the, the sandwich was a weird touch but i'm kind of expecting Oh, something like this like oh it's sure not genetic but it runs in the family um or does yeah. it well I, I think we're meant to <laughs> meant to believe that it does right. but that's the thing is like the movie is such its own thing mm -hmm. leading right up to that little coda at the end that i'm like yeah it's, just shut it off after the house explodes <laughs> <laughs> well i almost thought they were going to end the credits there i didn't expect the grandparent coda and it almost feels like that was tagged on at the end makes me wonder if their original intention was just to leave it you know the house blowing up and then go to credits kind of a la a 70s film where it ends yeah. there you go <laughs> you know just, just <laughs> maybe left. michael lived maybe he didn't die <laughs> just the left ending of you know well that you know and that would have been just as fitting with the way the rest of the film is um i i liked that touch with the the um I almost said the wrong thing, but I liked that touch with the grandparents. It kind of gives mm -hmm. it that that dark humor ending. Yeah, it does. But I think, uh, yeah, my sticking point is the sandwich. Like it is yeah. it's an odd detail, and it's also very obvious. Uh, yeah. Maybe he sneaks down for a midnight snack or something. Right, opens up in the fridge, and there's like a foot in there or something. You know, just it, yeah, sell it a different way. Because to mm -hmm. me, I'm like, you, you don't give a kid that. You give him, especially you know, the 1950s. Fine, give him a cup of milk and a tr you know a couple of cookies. Yeah, you know, next to his bed or something, but not a sandwich. You know, he flies <laughs> or nothing else. You are, yeah, and and, a, a triple stack sandwich. <laughs> yeah, a triple stack sandwich. Though, uh, you know, that close-up is just fitting for all the meat in here. And I and I think that helps add to the idea, yes, it is cannibals. And you're seeing everything through the perspective of Michael because all the meat in here, regardless of how they prepare it, looks unnatural. Yeah. yeah. It, it, even this basic ground beef, it, and she's making this meatloaf, this very huge meat. It, yeah. It looks unnatural. The ribs are unnatural. Everything meat-wise, like you said, Ian, is greasy and slimy, but it's got a weird color to it. To, that to where it's like, exaggerated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To where it it telling the audience right away, yeah, there's something off with this meat. The kid's not just. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, all the else is vegetables. You barely see them, like the lettuce or whatever. But when the meat's there. It's it's a weird red color, and it's slimy and glossy and unusual and and just I wouldn't I don't know if I eat it though I eat McRibs so you know lose the meat eat some leaves. <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring up McRib too, Mark. I did. I did. It's, it's almost it's almost McRib season, I think. Yeah, Coming although up soon. maybe that was a. A blooper was the term vegan used in 1950s. Uh, I think they said vegetarian. Oh, he said vegetarian. You're is... right. Yeah, you're right. Vegetarian. I think vegan is more recent. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. He said vegetarian. I was thinking, I think my brain automatically filled in vegan, but uh, <laughs> you're right. He says vegetarian. So, uh, yeah, uh, parents, uh, final thought on this, Ian, with parents. 
I loved it. Um, it's a, I don't know how, I remember this movie being around in 89, but I don't mm. think it made much of a, mm. of an impact. And I feel like it was probably something that was way too ahead of its time, which is weird to see because this is right in the Tim Burton zeitgeist. Yeah. You know, it was the year of Batman. It was the year before Edward Scissorhands. I feel like oh. if this were to be rediscovered and, and re-put out like in kind of a revival house thing, you know, people might, it could become a hit today. I think people would appreciate <laughs> it much more. Yeah, I think they would get it a lot more possibly even than when it first came out. Um, I, I'm with you there. Uh, Cara, what's your final thought with parents? I I think it's great. I think anybody who likes just smart, subtle, obscure horror, I think they would love it. Even people who just loves retro throwback stuff, I think they would enjoy it. I mean, anybody with an open mind, they would they would find something about it that they like. I mean, even you yourself said your wife, it's not her type of film, and she found something about it that she enjoyed. I think it's there's something in there for everyone. Yeah, there is. It, it, this could almost be a gateway horror film in many ways because it's it's not extreme, but it still has plenty of horror elements in there uh, that might uh, turn you on to want to seek more. Uh, but yeah, it didn't do well. It didn't. It got a very limited release. Pretty much went to box off. Uh, went to rental. It had a budget mm -hmm. estimated of uh, three million dollars. And it only was limited to a few, uh, a number of screens. I don't have the exact screens here, but it was like released on a day or, you know, a limited, mm. one of those limited screenings enough to where probably to qualify for something, uh, <laughs> you know, or in a contract. It was the end of the contract. Maybe the actors, they had a minimum of however many screens, unfortunately. But it was definitely a, a staple on the rental shelves for many years because I remember seeing a picture of it and a poster of it all the time because it had like you said car it has that weird where you're walking in the fifth the horror aisle and you're walking past black roses and all these other and all of a sudden you walk past you're like well that's a kind of happy suburban picture that it says parents and kind of blood you're like huh yeah, like wh what are you doing here <laughs> did this get put in the wrong place or what but yeah parents check it out folks uh from 1989 definitely worth a watch i think so as well uh, uh you know and the fact that it's in 50s uh you know if you're worried about it being dated well it's set in the 50s and it looks like it's set in the 50s so you're it's not even dated it doesn't feel like an 80s film it feels like <laughs> a dark comedy set in the 50s so uh yeah I, I i dig it quite a bit and so check it out folks so there you have it thank you infobomb for always contributing in the chat love to hear from you and our viewers and now as always this is where i give my uh, lovely crew uh the chance for a license to shill so kara please shill away i don't have anything new i'll be back officially in october for halloween season but in the meantime there's tons of old reviews for weirdo and obscure horror on my channel horror retrospective here on youtube so feel free to drop by check it out there's tons of stuff to choose from fantastic and mr simmons please chill away i'm ian simmons you can find me at uh, kicking the seat uh, at kickseat.com i'm also on youtube if you look up kicking the seat on youtube um i've got a lot of reviews and stuff coming out this week and next week as we approach the 800th episode of the kicking the seat podcast so uh wow. yeah well it's i'm embarrassed because it's i think i've done more than 800 episodes but somewhere along the way i lost my my numbering scheme so i don't even know what the hell's going on, on my own site but uh yeah that's that's what that's what i'm doing we do have one more family that slays together episode this month and then we head into september which will be it's so lifelike as we take a look at a variety of films involving art and murder. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Please subscribe and all of that to my lovely crew members stuff here. Hopefully see you for the 400th episode. And if not, you can always catch us on the iTunes and all that fun stuff as well. And now, folks, we will just say a good night, everyone. Good night. Nighty night. Nighty night. And eat your meat. <laughs>
Eat your meat, Andy. Eat your meat. <laughs> How can you have any pudding if you can't eat your meat? <laughs> you don't eat your meat. How can you have any pudding? We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. No dark sarcasm in that classroom. Teachers leave them kids alone. Hey, yeah. teachers leave these kids alone. All in all, it's just another brick in the wall. All in all, you're just another brick in the wall.